the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Dr. David Anderson, senior pastor and founder of Bridgeway Community Church in Columbia, Maryland. And I am so glad that you are tuned in now to our new special Saturday edition of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. You're going to hear conversations from recent talks where I've connected with radio listeners just like you to help them build bridges of reconciliation, race, religion, relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Let's go to Gaithersburg, Maryland and talk to Dawn, who's on the line. Hey, Dawn, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Dr. Anderson. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I, ho- I hope I don't drop you because I'm, I'm on the road. But, okay. Um, suffocation, uh, I, it's a friend for me. Mm. I befriended a, a guy at work, and mm. um, I talked to him about the Lord, and he wants to get to know the Lord. He goes to church. Mm-hmm. He's from Cambodia, okay. and um, I don't know. There's there's something that I guess in my niceness mm. of sharing um, passages and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he gets kind of overwhelmed because he all of this uh, I guess theological stuff where people say, "Hey, try this app." Hey, try this app. Right. Um, he gets overloaded, but mm. the niceness of me, he kind of like got attached to me. So mm. now. He keeps thinking, and he's single. He just came from a divorce, mm. and so he keeps trying to, uh, I guess, um, make it a relationship. Ah. And um, you know, I, I had told him, I said, uh, "Hey, listen, you know, I'm just uh, loving you with the the love of the Lord, and <laughs> and trying to share Christ with you." Well, that's pretty attractive, and, Dawn. I just um, need to t- need to tell you that's pretty attractive. <laughs> oh. You're not, <laughs> and, and it really it it confused me because yeah. it's a, it makes me it makes me scared in one sense right. because you know I want to share Christ but yeah. then the niceness of me and uh, right, right. then so he keeps on you know calling or oh, try to boy. text or try to make oh. a reason to see me or volunteer to okay. help me if I need help and I I reassure him and say hey if I need help I'll ask right. but. Well, let you me know, ask you. It just, it's a continuous cycle. Sure. Well, let me ask and, you a couple um, questions really quickly, Don. Let me ask sure. you: Are you are you married or single? I'm single. Okay. And and about how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm fifty. And about how old is he? He is fifty-four. Got it. And is there any uh, desire in you at all to uh, be with somebody to marry or anything like that? Or you can that's off limits to you? Um, it's not a cultural thing. It's just that I don't. Um, he's very naive, meaning um, <laughs> he actually grew up a Buddhist, and so he's very naive about the uh, uh, the ways of the world. Uh-huh. And he was actually married for twenty some years and has four kids. I'm like, wow. But yeah, you're not I, trying. I don't know. I just so you're not attracted to him at all. Too dis- 
no. I, and I and I tried to. I said, well, you know, I really don't want to hurt your feelings, but I have to be honest. I mean, I have no emotional connection to uh-huh. you whatsoever, other than the shared price with you, because right. I'm concerned about your soul. Right, right, right. I understand. And, uh, but I don't want to follow Christ because um, yeah. I'm following Christ, and he tends to have that personality that whatever I'm doing, he thinks that okay, if I do this. And I do that. Yeah. I went her over, and I said, "Listen, hey, don't don't, no, don't I get you. follow Christ for that reason." No, I get you. Well, you know, you so got, I really don't know what to do. Let me tell you what to do. Although you're going in and out on me, so I want you to listen on the air, so we don't uh, have too much static going on. But the bottom line is, uh, you are showing the beauty of Christ, and He's attracted to Christ. He's also probably attracted to you. You're just going to have to continue to uh, draw those boundaries. But one of the things that you can do, Dawn, is to help connect them with a male disciple. So you probably have other men who are followers of the Lord at your church or whatever. And so sometimes making that handoff is helpful. So then he can get the sort of the Christian discipleship that's necessary. And uh, now he won't lean on you for that, except being a spiritual friend. And you just continue to draw uh, those boundaries. But uh, right now you're the only Christ he sees. And so you're looking pretty attractive and uh, available and Christ, you know, so he may not even be able to separate all of it. And so what you may want to do is try to connect them with another guy, get them in a good church, uh, if you will. But just uh, take it as a, um, well, let's take it as a compliment uh, that he is attracted to. You just have to draw those boundaries and make sure that you don't do anything to to sort of lead him down uh, the road. But if you're being clear with him, uh, then continue to be clear and uh, use that attraction to to continue to point people toward Jesus. I, I say, whatever you got, use it for the Lord. So if you got a pretty smile, someone says you have a pretty smile, don't get offended about it. Say, thank you very much. Lord gave me that smile. Let me introduce him to you. I mean, so you're doing a good job there. Uh, continue to do that and, and you know, uh, uh, let him deal with some of those emotions he has. Part of it will be helpful when you uh, kind of connect him up with some other guys that might be able to, to take, you know, uh, an interest in him. So, but I can see why you're saying, well, boy, I feel kind of suffocated because I don't want him every time I open my mouth to talk about the Lord to attract him even more. But you know what? It is what it is. As long as you draw those boundaries, I think you're going to be uh, just fine. Now, you know, this is interesting. In John chapter one, you have, uh, you know, two disciples who are following John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says to them, uh, you know what, there's going to come a guy, uh, there's going to come a time uh, when, you know, the one I've been talking about is going to reveal himself. And sure enough, Jesus reveals himself and he points to him and he says, hey, there's the guy I've been talking about, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so he points to Jesus uh, and he says, I'm not even worthy of untying his sandals. That's Jesus. And so the, one of those two disciples goes and spends the day with Jesus. And he's so excited. His name is Andrew. He is so excited about the day he spends with Jesus. He goes home, he gets his brother Simon and says, Simon, man, I had an awesome time with this Messiah we've been talking about. Well, I got him. I found him. I spent a day with him. Come on. And he grabs him by the arm and they together spend time with Jesus. What I want you to note by that story in John chapter one is that while they were disciples of John, John had a day where he pointed and said, now that's the one you need to follow from this point on. In other words, John was a bridge from them getting uh, sort of interested in being disciples to the one that is actually the one that is going to change their life. And so, you know, God will use you in a process 
before you have to turn somebody over. That's what discipleship really is, when people can follow the Lord on their own. You know what I'm saying? And so John had them following him until Jesus was able to show up and he handed them, handed them off to Jesus. And sometimes that's what we need to do in discipleship. Okay, you've been with me long enough. Now you need to know how to talk to Jesus on your own. I uh, prayed for you and with you long enough. Now you need to know how to pray on your own. Uh, we've read scripture long enough. Now you need to learn how to dissect the scriptures on your own. I mean, that's real, really what discipleship is, is when you take people to a point where they themselves know how to have a relationship with Jesus. Okay, now it doesn't mean you're no longer their friends and can't be an encouragement, but if they stay, uh, you know, sort of sucking on your breath, for a long time, then after a while, listen, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, right? It's uh, abnormal. It's wrong. It's unnatural. And so if somebody's truly growing, then at some point they've got to grow beyond you and they've got to know how to turn to the Lord on their own. So for sure, friends, just make sure that you understand true discipleship. All right. And that is definitely turning people over to Jesus. And uh, for my caller, Dawn, uh, having a guy that you've been sharing the Lord with, sometimes those attractions happen. That's the way it, that's the way it works. But as long as you keep those boundaries, you're good to go. Use your attraction to point people to Christ. Go to Bethesda, Maryland and talk to Rob, who's on the line. Hey, Rob, it's Dr. Anderson. How are you? Hi, brother. I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, I, I can, you know, the, the Bible tells us we're supposed to bear with one another in love, but uh, mm. some of us can be overbearing. Right. And um, I, I get that. And, uh, you know, I think that was a big part of my divorce. And, mm. uh, you know, I've done my best to uh, repent of yeah. that aspect of me and to let my speech be full of grace. Yeah. And seasoned with salt as opposed to be full of salt and seasoned with grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, there there are a lot of know, people who can be overbearing, but they don't know it. Did you discover this afterwards? Oh no, I've always known that. Okay, <laughs> that okay. That, but All right. the thing is, you know, then when you go to a marriage counselor who then starts an affair with your wife, well, you know, it's just all ouch. Go down downhill from there, yeah. My yeah. goodness, and that's what that's what happened in your case. Yeah, in oh. fact, she's about to marry the guy. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's not good. It's not supposed to happen yeah, that way, that Rob. Hurts. How are you dealing with that? Uh, well, I've joined a different church, and I'm doing my best to create new relationships, mm. and uh, you know, be a humble and uh, devoted person. Have you uh, talked to the counselor that she is with now, or has that? Oh no, we have a we have a legal agreement that we're not allowed to contact each other. Oh, so my yeah, it's, goodness. it's ugly. That's terrible. Was this yeah. with, was this and within a church the worst environment? Part about it is, my kids think that he's the hero. Was this within a church environment? I well, he claimed to be a Christian counselor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I sure hope that uh, you're able to forgive and move on. It kind of bites that uh, that yeah. even happened to you. Are you, you going to be okay, though? Yeah, I'm doing my best. And, right. you know, I, I, we're supposed to pray for our enemies. I pray for my ex-wife every day. I heard that. And so have you learned uh, sort of a part of whatever it sounds to me like you've, you've become a student of yourself, learning where you were maybe overbearing or some area that you played in the breakdown of the relationship. It clearly was her fault doing that. But c- did you learn anything? Yeah. So if you but, do get another relationship, you'll kind of do better, be better? Sure. That's what I'm working towards. It sounds like it to me. 
It sounds like you're being humble about it. You still hurt a little bit, but you're taking it to the Lord. And my friend, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah. All right. Well, you hang in there, Rob, from Bethesda. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. And that's a good word, right, about being overbearing. You can be overbearing on other people, and you don't want to be that. You really want to be a blessing, so you want to say what is helpful, uh, not what is hurtful, and you want to build people up. That's what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about relational suffocation. Do you feel suffocated by somebody in your life? You're trying to figure out how to create that boundary without maybe breaking the relationship or hurting them. Uh, How do you handle being suffocated? And by the way, how do you handle if you are yourself the suffocator? Like I keep talking and I just can't shut up. I know I'm suffocating them, but I can't. Well, I'm here to help you out. Triple eight, four, three, bridge. Let's go to Rockville, Maryland, and talk to Anonymous, who's on the line. Hi, Anonymous. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm wonderful. Um, Thanks for calling. I want to talk about my little suffocational situation. Okay. So I I was in a a relationship for about six years, and I was always suffocated with love, with kisses. Everything Mm -hmm. was very excessive. Okay. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know the words were excessive the, the the kissing the hugging but you liked it at first kissing. right anonymous it was okay but then it went a little bit over the top and uh-huh. then the you know the sexual part wasn't excessive it was fine in the beginning but then somehow the scales became unbalanced where it was just too much for me uh-huh. And, um, you know, we were making plans um, to move forward, to make a commitment. Okay. And then all of a sudden, so bizarre, you know, they went to the far extreme of the other side. Like, they needed their space. Mm. They didn't know what they wanted to do anymore. Mm-hmm. But, and, and that was, like, really crazy. So I don't know what to think, how you go from suffocation to not being suffocated at all. It's called a lack of a marital commitment. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be, you know, uh, flippant. I mean, this is real talk, but he got everything he needed from you, and then he moved on. You didn't get what you needed from him, and that was a marital commitment. Uh, what you- well, I was committed to a marriage for 22 years, and that dissolved, and then that's how I ended up with him. I was committed to a marriage for 22 years, but it didn't work. How did you end so up? I moved uh, on. How'd you end up with this guy then? Well, he was a friend before uh-huh. he became into a relationship. We were friends I see. for a couple of years, and he was very, um, you know, supportive. And then okay. we well, became serious I see. Um, okay. after a while. But we weren't serious for six years. We were uh, friends first. You were so friends I first. I clarify that. Got it. Okay, I understand. Were you guys friends while you were still married uh, in the 22-year relationship? Well... Actually, no, no. We were friends from distance. We weren't friends going out. I see. We were just, um, you know, talking and everything. Uh-huh. And he it- was very supportive. And then when I got divorced and everything, we started going out. Uh-huh. So I would say maybe four years. So, yeah. Yeah. So you were like a pro. Uh, like he, guys. You know, we want to conquer. We want to go get a beautiful woman. You know, we want that, right? So he did that. He he knew you were becoming available, and then you became available, and then he came after you, and he liked it. But then uh, I think you gave him everything that he probably wanted. He got to check everything out. And so now it's time to get married, and he's not really 
wanting to do that. But let me ask you, did you want to marry the guy and he kind of backed off? Or are you saying y'all were just in this relationship and then he just kind of backed off? Um, We were in the relationship, but I kept pushing him away with the suffocation, like you said. Uh-huh. Okay. I, was, I didn't do it like how you said to, uh, to the other callers yesterday. Uh-huh. Be nice about it. <laughs> I, okay. It was too much for me. I, re- I heard you yesterday. Okay. Nice. <laughs> You know, be graceful. Uh-huh. You know, okay. thank, even though they're married, be thankful that right. you don't want him to go to Burger King because McDonald's <laughs> is always shut down. I heard everything. It sounds like you did. I okay. Was, I was listening, mm-hmm. but it was too late for me because I can't take when I'm overwhelmed like that. So uh-huh. I'm wondering if I, I pushed him so much over the years and rejected him. You know that maybe he just just felt like he wasn't, you know, worthy. And mm. then, you know, over time he just decided, well, maybe this is not the right situation for me. Right. And maybe he decides to go to Burger King. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, <laughs> and just, uh, you know, for, for for those who may not have been a part of that conversation, if you're married to someone and, you know, they're hungry, you think of a man as a man who's hungry, not just a man who wants to have sex. And if you're his uh, McDonald's and you are closed all the time, uh, but you're the only place where he can eat, then, you know, give several days of hunger. Uh, and every time he comes around McDonald's, it's dark. But across the street, Burger King's all lit up 24 hours. You know, that sort of thing. It's It's, it's, it's tempting, you know. And so uh, that was the conversation there. It's very possible then, Anonymous, that, you know, again, whether this was in your marriage or whether this is this other guy, you still got to be nice if you reject a guy or rebuff a guy if you want him to stay around. Because over time, he's going to get the message that you don't want him around. And so maybe he did get that message. But I think as you move forward... As, you know, as you build a relationship with someone, you must be a very uh, attracting kind of a personality where people want to be around you. That's a good thing. You just have to create nice boundaries to say, hey, listen, we were out last night and I want to go out with you again on Friday night, but I need Thursday to myself. You kind of set that early yeah. enough so people know those boundaries. But what happens is people get hot and heavy so quickly. It's Wednesday night. Then it's Thursday night. Then it's Friday night. Then it's Saturday night. They're so excited. And they do that for six weeks, and then all their energy's gone. And the other person's like, okay, can I get a couple nights off? And then the person is hurt. You know, <laughs> what do you mean? We were together every, you know, night of the week, and now you don't want to be with what? What's wrong? What happened? Nothing's wrong. <laughs> too much of a good thing is still too much. So you need to That's modulate right. that right. early on so there's boundary setting, and it also creates desire, and that happens for a longer time uh, when you do it like that. W- what do you think? <laughs> I think you're right. Mm. Well, you learned. So, so the last thing I want to know is if they keep bothering me and calling and they don't want to make a commitment and I keep not answering and totally shut them down, why don't they get the message and leave me alone now? <laughs> well, there you have it. It's all kind of a dependency at that point. And that's probably why you may get mean on them because they just don't get it when you try to be nice. Uh, And so sometimes I guess you do have to draw a line. You got to know what you want anonymous and then you've got to communicate it clearly to them. And if they don't get it, then sometimes you do have to be uh, a little bit more harsh. And I understand that as well. Some people don't get social cues and they don't get hints. And so sometimes you do have to be very black and white. Uh, But you know, there's a, that's a double edged sword, right? Because when you're black and white, 
uh, then people sometimes, uh, unfortunately, they, um, you know, feel like you're not kind. So you got to find that balance. Exactly. You got to find that balance. Yeah. So good luck and God bless you as you try to figure this one out, okay? God bless you too, and thank you for your feedback. It's greatly appreciated. You got it, my sister. That's anonymous from Rockville, Maryland. When asked the question raised by her professor, why are you here at Omega Graduate School? Sebla Digluhailu answered in one of her essays like this, I was not there just to add a prefix to my name, though that would feel good. The greater purpose of my preparation at OGS is to fulfill my mandate to be a change agent. The doctoral study is a time of preparation for me to see and to think, to understand the times and to craft my way in fulfilling my calling. Sebla Digluhailu, a current doctor of philosophy student from Ethiopia, is a counselor and adjunct psychology professor who hosts a weekly radio show in the capital city of Ethiopia and is an advocate for empowering women and children. What is your profession and how can OGS help you grow to the next level in your graduate education? Dr. David Anderson is the new chancellor of Omega Graduate School, formerly known as Oxford Graduate School, and your education as a working adult is important to him, to God, and to all who will be changed in the world because of your important research. Go to OGS.edu today and apply or call 1-800-933-6188. And we've been talking about relational suffocation. Are you in relationships with people who suffocate you? How do you get some air? How do you still keep the energy in the relationship? How do you support one another without being too much for them? And then how do you communicate with people if they're a little bit too much for you? Uh, Someone on my Facebook page said, I'm kind of confused by today's show. Well, uh, tell me what you're confused about there on Facebook Live, and I'll be more than happy to try to clear it up. Are you confused because we're talking about the truth that sometimes people can be suffocating? Well, that can be quite difficult, I understand. 888-432-7434 is my number, and now I'm going to go to my final call. Silver Spring, Maryland. It's Anonymous on the line. Hi, Anonymous. Welcome to the show. Yes. Hello, Dr. Anderson. Hello. Thanks for calling. How can I serve you today? Uh, yes, please. I, um, my case is like the opposite. It's not a suffocation, but it's a layback husband. He doesn't think about having sex at all. Okay. And... And he seems pretty healthy, so I don't know. He's just a laid-back person. What can I do? Well, so you're saying that you have a laid-back husband who's really not interested in having sex with you, and you're trying to figure that out, right? Yes, please. Uh Uh-huh. Have you had this conversation with him? Like, honey, are you still attracted to me? Are you interested in sex? Or what's going on with you? Have you had that conversation? Yes, many times. Um, He Uh just... It's not, he just don't feel like having it. I mean, we can go like months without without intimacy, and that is kind of weird. Uh Uh-huh, okay. And have you tried to approach him and uh, uh, sort of initiate sex with him? I used to, but I stopped. Because? And since I stopped, I well, I stopped just because I wanted to see if he can initiate it. I understand. But he doesn't. I understand. So if you were to initiate it, let's say today, do you think he would respond positively or not? He responds uh, sometimes positive and sometimes with a shyness. Uh-huh. 
Well, I would encourage you to continue to initiate uh, for a couple of reasons. One, let's just say that he's not interested or he can't physically, uh, you know, involve himself in this way. Uh, that may be one of the reasons why he's not doing it. We're not quite sure. Another reason could be maybe he's involved elsewhere, and so uh, I'm not quite sure. I don't have enough information, but I do know that you want to engage with him as much as you can because that's going to help him regardless of whether he's engaged elsewhere or whether he is feeling not good about himself. The more you initiate, I think the more it will help him start to initiate uh, that is my guess. I'm not quite sure, but I do hope, uh, Lord willing, Anonymous, that uh, this will be a good encouragement for you. Let me say a prayer and let you go. Heavenly Father, I lift up Anonymous and everybody else under the sound of my voice and pray you give them wisdom with regard to how to relate to others. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This is Rich Becker, producer of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. The radio ministry of Real Talk with Dr. Anderson is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. If this nonprofit ministry is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider partnering with us? With an ongoing monthly gift of $30 or more, you'll become a Real Talk partner. As a way of saying thank you, we would love to send you a signed copy of Dr. Anderson's book, Gracism. Thank you for making this important ministry possible. We can't do it without you. Visit andersonspeaks.com and simply click the donate button to support Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. That's andersonspeaks.com. You've been listening to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, a ministry of Bridgeway Community Church. We would love to have you join us at Bridgeway in our Performing Arts Theater in Columbia, Maryland for one of our three identical Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and noon. Or join us online at www.bridgeway.cc. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson airs live weekdays on this station and is ready to take your calls. Tune in at 3 p.m. weekdays on WAVA 105.1 FM. We hope to see you tomorrow at church. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.